When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glaser, a mental health podcast helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. Welcome into Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. And I got a really special guest today, good friend of mine, trains with us at Unbreakable. Also, man, he is a stud of an actor. Before that, though, if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year. I am definitely one of those five. Yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. With that, I want to uh, bring in a very close friend of mine, Stephen Amell, who you guys may know from Arrow, you may know from Heels, you may know from a, a ton of things. He's had a ton of credits, but Arrow for a long, long time. Heels now is coming up on its second season, which is pretty wild, man. I Dude, I went to WrestleMania 1 growing up at Madison Square Garden. Muhammad Ali no. was the, Yeah, Muhammad Ali was the referee. It was Mr. T and Hulk Hogan against Rowdy Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff and Jimmy mm-hmm. Superfly Snook was in the good guy's corner and Cowboy Bob, Bob Orton was in the other corner. And, man, it was yeah. like everything for me as a 12-year-old. Wow. How about that? So I got into wrestling shortly thereafter and then sort of like 88, 89, because that was 85. And then I went back and I I bought the VHS tapes and like went into WrestleMania one, two, three, and four, I think, not knowing what happened. And of course, you could get away with that back in the day because you're not going on the internet and finding out the results. So yeah, wow. The Garden. I've never been to Madison Square Garden. Are you serious? For, for a sporting event. No, the premiere of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows, uh, was in the theater where they used to have the NBA draft for all those years. Right, but right, right. I've never been. Never seen a Rangers wow. game, a Knicks game. Um, it's it's kind of embarrassing at this point. I'll tell you something. Yeah, wow. I know. <laughs> okay. In the 90s, 
I used to host a show from there with Kurt Menefee, who's now obviously the host of Fox NFL Sunday, called yeah. Unnecessary Roughness. We were right there when you walk into like going into, I think Beefsteak Charlie's was next to it, and you'd go into mm-hmm. the garden to go watch an event. So we're right there in the cavern, and we could not get a guest to show up. They would get like high school teams <laughs> to come, and the crazier part is we had a hard time getting guests to come in. So almost mm-hmm. every week, Strahan would come in and be our guest. <laughs> And just to bail our asses out of this, you know, not having somebody. And it was, but listen, that's how you have to cut your teeth, right? And and you know, oh, yeah. performing in front of zero people. So yep. you know, you you look, you your big break was Arrow. Would you say that was your biggest? Um, yeah, sure, sure. Right. I, I think in the way that you in the way that you construct an acting career from the outside looking in, if you're if you're not in the business, this is the first role that's going to, or the first casting, I suppose, that's going to show up in. In the in the sheets, like right. Variety or The Reporter or Deadline. In reality, was the tenth job that I had gotten over a period of about two years, from February first, twenty ten, when I moved to LA, until February first, twenty twelve, when I got cast. I got ten different American jobs: NCIS LA, NCIS, uh, CSI Miami, Vampire Diaries. Um, it was a lifetime moving in there. It was an HBO series, you know, New Girl, Private Practice. And then, but Arrow was, Arrow was the first one where. But none of leads, right? Arrow was the first lead. Arrow was the, Arrow was the first right. lead. It was not the, it was not the first series regular, but you got to think of it like, you know, you're hosting a show with Kurt and, 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 you know, in order for him to eventually become the, the host of Fox NFL Sunday. They've got to, they, they have to see a track record. You know, they got to trust you that, that you can show up, that you can be professional, that you can do stuff on set. But yeah, Arrow was the, Arrow was the big one. Again, I told you like, man, you now know, cause we're a friendship that I, man, I, I was making 9,400 bucks a year for 11 years before I got my big, you know, big break, which is 50 grand. How many years was it just rejection, 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 rejection before you broke through? Yeah. Because I I, this of... is a mental health podcast. Yeah, but being able to deal with mental health during these issues leads us all to mental wealth. Well, I think that the mental health uh, is that I, I had a really sort of what I thought at the time was a real catastrophic moment in my life, which was, you know, I got into acting, you know, in my early 20s when I was in Canada, but in Toronto. But the, the real, I mean, the reason that I did it, the reason that I was pursuing it was for fame and, and fortune. That was it. I hadn't really thought about the fact that it was what, made me happy but you know i was a kid i was in my 20s but i was i was stupid kid. and i was and i was i was vain and i was i just i was approaching it for all the wrong angles but then i was in a long-term relationship and i kind of set on hard times with acting because i wasn't going after it for the right reasons so a, one good job wouldn't lead to a to then the, a bigger job it was like i would get you know, a big part in a movie, like I got a big part in a Richard Attenborough film, but then I couldn't get a bit role in like a local Canadian soap. And then the relationship that I was in, I kind of fell on hard times in 07, uh, 08. And she just fell out of love with me and left. And that crushed me. And I mean, I, I thought, I don't know, I think to this day, it might have been kind of my one one of my lowest points, if not if not my if not my lowest point. It was that incident that made me take stock of what was important in my life. And one of the things that came up for me was acting. 
And so the previous seven, eight years, you know, I, I had a movie where I think I made like 125,000 bucks or something like that, but then I blew it because I didn't know what I was doing with it. And I didn't have people in my life that were helping me make smart financial decisions because I was never really taught that by anyone. It was when I started to get into acting and pursuing it because it made me feel good mentally that inevitably the money followed. Right. You know, but I also too, when I came out to LA, I got an apartment right in Hollywood at, at Franklin and Cherokee, right off right off Hollywood Boulevard, you know, right by Musso and Franks, which if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, you see Pitt and DiCaprio go there uh, at the beginning of the movie to meet Pacino. And the apartment was like 1300 bucks a month. And I didn't need anything. Once I didn't need anything, yeah. and I started, stopped caring about material things, then inevitably you start to, you start to gather them. Um, so, what, yeah. What became, what became, you said it used to be, Fame and fortune were the important parts for you to acting. Yeah. What became the important parts for you for acting? Getting better at it in the early going, using it as an exercise to really remove ego and take ego and, and vanity and the superficial aspects of acting. Like, do I look good enough? It, it, is, my, is my jawline the way that I want it to be? You know, getting rid of those things, focusing on improving. And then that has transitioned since I got Arrow over the past 10, 11 years to realizing that the more that I do in my career, the bigger platform I'm able to have. And once I'm able to have a bigger platform that I can then, I can then go out and I can influence people in a positive way, be it a young kid who, you know, watches Arrow for the first time and, and sees stuff like Oliver's character my character in, in Arrow, one of the things we really get into in the first season is that he's suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder from this, from this five-year period where he was marooned on this, on this island and, and he went from this young bratty kid to the Green Arrow that we meet in the pilot. And I get people that come up to me all the time that say, you know, I was deployed or I broke my leg and I was on bed rest or you know, such something happened and I found Arrow and I thought to myself, you know, if Oliver can get through what he got through those five years on the island, then I can deal with what I'm dealing with right now. And that sounds, if, if you haven't experienced something like that, that can sound hokey. It's like, okay, it's a TV show. But the person that's saying it to you is dead serious. Right. Um, they're not going to share something like that and they're not going to open themselves up and allow themselves to be vulnerable and tell you something like that if they don't really fucking mean it. And so, you know, a hundred, a hundred percent. And it's like, you know, I, I happen upon, um, I've done a lot of work with it, with a charity called fuck cancer. I'm assuming that you can swear on this podcast, by the way. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Oh, okay. All right. Okay. 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 <laughs> Are and... you shitting me? <laughs> So I found this charity called Fuck Cancer. Sure. Back in in April of 2012, my mom and I took a photo because she was going through breast cancer for the second time and she's bald and she's going through chemo. And, you know, I shaved my head and we took a photo and we give the middle finger to the camera. And then someone reaches out to me and says, you know, there's a charity called Fuck Cancer. And it's because I'm on something like right. Arrow and I have a platform and I have a, you know, I have social media accounts that, are, are verified and, you know, have a substantial number of followers that when I get behind something, other people get behind it. And, right. and um, that's really special. That's now, really special. I know you're a huge football fan because you'll text me constantly during the Rams games, right? Um, yeah. And look, I've got, you know, from, I've gotten a fight. I was the first host of an MMA show in America. So I've had the fight fans forever. 
and the football mm-hmm. fans forever as well. How are comic book fans different than, let's say, your football fans? That's a, ah, that's a, that's a good question. Well, you think about it like if you're a fan of the Carolina Panthers right now, um, you're all, you're all excited for Bryce Young. Okay. But you're not walking up to Bryce Young and going, you better nail it. Because once he does, it's so that, you know, comic book fans, they're like, they're assuming that he's going to succeed until he doesn't. Right. And I obviously, hopefully he does. Um, it seems like by, by all accounts, seems like a, like a really good player and a really, really solid, uh, individual. But when I got Arrow, first of all, fans were mad that it wasn't Justin Hartley who played the character on Smallville, <laughs> which ended in 2010, you know, just like, just so you like train with that unbreakable with us together. Yeah. You know, I don't think, yeah, it has been a couple of years, but yeah, a hundred percent. I think that was actually, I think Unbreakable might've been the first place that I ever met uh, Welling too, Tom Welling. Yeah, yeah, from us. Um, yeah. Yeah, who's a, who's a lovely guy. So the first right. thing is they're pissed, they're pissed that it's not him. And then, you know, we shoot the pilot and the trailer comes out and people like the trailer and they're excited about the trailer. But I went to Comic-Con in San Diego in 2012. And and my basic, the, the basic thing that I got from comic book fans was, okay, Green Arrow doesn't belong to you. Green Arrow belongs to me. I've been a fan of Green Arrow for 30 years. I'm very excited for the show. Don't mess it up. Wow. Is, is what they said to me, not in, not, not in, not in so many words. And so, then, so it course, is a similar thing, telling, you know, don't fuck this up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But it's like, but once you get in there, they're with you forever. Forever. Now, granted, if, if I mean, if I kept playing Arrow for 30 years and I'm starting to creak up and down uh, the Arrow right. cave because I can't I can't walk properly anymore because I need hip replacements, then maybe they turn on me then. But no, there there is a there is a similarity there. They are they're fiercely protective of the thing that they like. Like people are saying to me, people say to me all the time, well, you, you're you're DC. You'd never do Marvel. Right. It's like, well, I don't know. I didn't set out to play a DC character. That's just sort of how it happened. Um, if someone approached me to do something in the Marvel universe, I'd look at it the same way. If someone from the DC film side approached me to play Arrow or play something else, or if or if they wanted me to become part of the the John Wick franchise or, or something like that. So yeah, which are you more passionate about, comics or wrestling? Wrestling. Wrestling was my first love before there was before I discovered the Blue Jays before. You know, the twelve-year-old me had his heart broken by the by the by Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings oh. when they beat the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, it was it was Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. And um, you know, I did have an affection for you know the Christopher Reeve Superman and the Michael Keaton Batman, yeah. but it never it never resonated with me as as superhero movies started to you know started to creep back in. You know, to me, it was like well, at that point it was Stone Cold and The Rock and Triple right. H. It's always been it's always been wrestling. Um, I, I still I, I love comic book movies. I've never been a big I've never been a big voracious reader of actual books. When you're getting ready for for heels, how do you train your body for it? How do you like you know where do you go to kind of because it looks like you're doing the same stuff that these guys are doing. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. 
A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so I mean, one of the first places that I went was was your gym in 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 LA uh, because you know I, I think Zach and Justin were still there that were there at that point, and it was you know I just said to them, it's like, hey guys, I'm I'm not trying to get in. Um, I'm not trying to get in shape for for a cover shoot of, of men's health. I'm trying to get in shape to be able to roll around a wrestling right. ring. And, you know, I'm, I'm a decent size. I'm a 6'1 and 200 pounds. But, like, I'm going to be in there with people that are formidable. And they're inevitably going to cast professional wrestlers on the show. So the thing that I really My guys did get on, you pretty fucking shredded, though. They did. They did. They did. <laughs> they, they you did. look like you were doing a men's health shoot, no doubt. Thank you. Appreciate that. But the, the big thing, the thing that I never focused on prior to training for heels and prior to getting to Unbreakable was legs. Legs and trunks and hips and and uh, and all that stuff. Whereas now, if, if I could, if I had to do away with all workouts except for one that I would keep with me to take to a deserted island is leg day. Legs leg and day is, recovery, right? Legs and, legs and right. recovery. Right. Legs we recover and, you hard as hard there as we train yeah. up. And that's what people kind of miss out on. Yeah, do you remember, it was one of my first times working out there. Do you remember, uh, so what happens for the people that are uninitiated, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know, but 
if you're listening to it because you're a fan of me, what have you, when you go to Unbreakable, you work out for 60 minutes and then you have the option of, of boxing and grappling. One and, more time, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it'll get you at the best of times. But after a 60-minute workout, which is hard, it can, it can really knock you down. But and also the way me, we do it, we do it. Yeah. There's two ways to fight. You can fight yeah. like Floyd or fight like Tyson. We're all going to fight like Tyson. We're going to throw to go. I tell our fighters all the time, too. I don't really give a fuck, you know, who wins or loses as long as it doesn't go to the decision, right? And that's how we go. Most people can't deal with that, with someone coming, throwing bombs at them nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. It's a relentlessness, which is the same. I, I live my life relentlessly like this. I go through business like that as well. If you keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Most people don't sign up for that. They sign up to play a sport, and they'll eventually go, all right, I'm good. I'm done. I don't need Stephen Amell fucking throwing bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb at me. I didn't sign up for this. So, yes, ours is different than everybody else's. So it knocked me down. It, not not literally. I took, a, I took a knee in the gym, and you weren't working out. I think you were walking around somewhere in the back, and you just yelled, Amell! You came over, and you excoriated me. Do you remember this? Yeah, don't fuck it. Yeah, we don't show it. We don't show we're hurt. Fucking don't, no, no, we don't show it, man. If I hurt so you, can you or you're tired, can you ex- don't ever fucking let anybody see it. So what's your logic behind that? Okay, ready? So yes, our head coach, remember, this is Randy Couture, right? So I learned everything uh-huh. I learned from Randy, a lot from Chuck. Okay? Yeah. And that's how Randy went all the time. Randy was just a fucking gnat. He was a violent gnat, but it doesn't stop. And and he was the nicest guy in the world off the mat, out of the cage, right? Mm. But Randy would just not, he was a torrential downpour of violence. When he won the when he won the when the heavyweight against championship Sylvia, yeah. against some Sylvia, he just it was just five rounds of just, just stop. Just he just he didn't let him breathe. And you could see like right. Tim like and he did a Tito Ortiz and it's just like yep. he did a Chuck Liddell in their first fight. They're both all like, get us the fuck out of here with this guy. <laughs> even Chuck admitted he quit in that fight. Had no idea Randy had a torn hamstring. No clue. And that's the whole thing. Never ever ever knew. Had had Chuck known Randy tore his hamstring. Maybe it would have given him new life. But eventually he's like, I'm going to learn, to fight. I'm going to live to fight another day because this guy ain't slowing down. Well, Randy's fighting this guy, Mike, Mike Van Arsdale. Great, great wrestler for Dan Gable. Trained with like Rashad Evans and those crew. Ended up becoming the strength coach for them for the number one contender spot for the light heavyweight championship of the world after like one of Randy's 90 retirements. But nobody <laughs> knew. And Mike didn't know this until I did a story on this in Sports Illustrated. Randy had a staph infection going into that fight. Staph infection to where he could not train, and he had an IV pick in, and this was like a life and death staph infection. Back then, it's not you're not famous like you are now, so you don't fight, you don't get paid, you don't pay your rent, you don't pay your bills. So Randy pulls the IV pick out, goes down there, and he fights, and it's the lightest he's ever been. He felt like shit still. This guy has a fucking staph infection. He goes in there and he fucking does what we talk about. He wears Mike Van Arsdale out. And Randy goes on, you know, we train all these football players, and he tells all these guys also why you don't show it. He said, man, I walked over to the ring, mm-hmm. and normally we don't allow stool in the cage even. Like, you cannot take a stool in between rounds. Because we want, if you're our fighter, Steve, we want you to have no stool. And for the guy fighting you, going, fuck is wrong with Stephen Mill? Because <laughs> he's not sitting in the stool. You can get between their ears, right? And then when you see them, Look, you like you're nuts. You get off on that. You forget you're crazy. You, I mean, you just you forget you're tired, and you start sharpening your weapons even more. That's what Randy's right. thing was. Well, all of a sudden, Randy says the only time my career I was about to die on my stool. 
But instead, I turned around. And the moment I turned around, I saw Mike Van Orsdale plop down on his yeah. stool. And Randy stood up, yeah. winked, waved to the crowd. Fight was over. It went on for like another 30, but Van Orsdale was already out of it. Randy just kind of ran across one shot and it was done. But really, Mike Van Orsdale, if he didn't get suckered in by that, all he had to do was come out, swing away wildly, and Randy would have caved. And he never right. knew it. So there's a right. lot of ways to win a fight like that. You know, Chell Sun is a guy we trained with for years. Same thing. He would just take it out, take it out, take it out, take it out. He would exhaust the shit out of you, and you'd never see him tired. So that was one of the things. Like, I'm a, I have no athleticism, and I'm Jewish, so I got a lot of things against me. And uh, yeah, I'm a little five and seven Jewish guy. And I'm like, man, if I could take some of this, Randy, and enhance it even more. Right mm-hmm. then, we could we show our football players. Don't put your hands on your hips. If you watch Andrew Whitworth when he played, he would never yeah. stick his head in his huddle. He would always stick his right ear in the huddle and look at everybody else, and then tell the huddle, "Hey, number ninety-two has his hands on his hips. Let's run at him." Oh right? wow! Same reason. I didn't, I didn't want that. you showing. It. Yes. So wow. if people like don't to... ever see you're tired. Yeah. They will think you're fucking crazy, and wow. you'll forget you're tired, and then you start sharpening your weapons even more. And it's not going right, to happen because, with everybody, but if it can happen in the number one contender slot, I mean, shit, that's good enough. Because you can quantify a guy by by looking at him, right? You look across the cage, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you look across the line. Because I, I played football a little bit in high school, and it's like, well, okay, I'm bigger than this guy, or I'm smaller than this guy, or right. et cetera, et cetera. But, like, you can't quantify and measure crazy. Right. You just can't. And and, and that's that's intimidating. You see well, a lot of endurance. Yeah. yeah, I see a lot of in, in, endurance challenges, um, you know, when they when they get down to two people and these people are locked in and it, normally the, the person gives up, not because they're not because they reach the point of physical exhaustion, but because they look across at the other person. And they're like, I'm 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 not mentally I'm not mentally at this person's level. And, and Randy is a fucked up individual. And I say this with love. He is yeah. the sweetest human being off the matter cage. Yeah. On there, he's a different person. We had Marvel sent in Natalie Portman for us to train. I remember. Right? For, for the Thor movie, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, good. you're going to work with Randy Couture because you're going to be doing some fight stuff. This guy's one of the expendables. She didn't care. Mm-hmm. And Randy, on her very first day, puts her hands up and proceeds to punch her in the face about 74 times. Okay. I'm like, bro, okay. she looked like a Pez okay. dispenser. It's Natalie Portman. <laughs> I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, watch, she has to learn how to keep her hands up. Literally. He's like, just learn how to keep her hands up. I'm like, no, she doesn't, dude. Like, that's that's like week five. Don't worry about that. Never came back again. At last we saw from Natalie Portman. But in Randy's uh-huh. mind, he really thinks he's helping her. You know, I, I swear to God, back in two, I probably think 2018, 2017, 2018, I was in there with my wife and we were we were we were sparring after the, after the workout. And, you know, you, you never know who the coach is going to be. And in this case, it happened to be former UFC Trump. heavyweight champion. Oh, no, it was Randy. Randy, okay. And so he gets he gets up there and, and Cass mm-hmm. and I Cass and I are, are sparring. And he's like, no, 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 you got to, like, actually, like, try to hit her. Otherwise, right. she's not going to she's not going to move. And he, move. Gets in the, he gets in there with me and says the same thing to her. And then he cracks me in the face two times. <laughs> and he's like, look, man, it's just getting hit in the head. It's just getting hit in the head. And I turn to him and I go, Randy. I'm in my late 30s. I have never been punched <laughs> in the face before. That was the first fucking time. That hurt a lot. Like, Congratulations. Shit, I feel like water's coming out of my ears. Like, holy shit. So, yeah, I've been punched one time in my life, and it was by Randy Couture. By Randy Couture. And I want people to know they're listening at home going, I'll never go to Unbreakable. This doesn't happen normally. 
Randy's no. out there tormenting people like this. He does it to well, me quite a bit or Jay Huron or Chuck Liddell. And that's the coolest thing we've had there. Were you there when yeah. Chuck and Randy locked up? Stallone was uh, in there. Like Julian no. Edelman and Danny Amendola. And the whole place stopped like, whoa, this is Ali and Frazier. Wow. We get to watch this. They'd never trained wow. before. It was the first time. And wow. Randy ran the practice. And his practices are so brutal. Chuck and I both were like, when we had like 30-second breaks, we're like texting people to call us. Yeah. So we like had to make take business calls because his fucking practice is going to go on for three hours. And, um, and you saw we have Chris Pratt in there a lot. Pratt yeah. trained under Randy when he was 14 at a, wow. at a, at a uh, wrestling camp or 12 at an Oregon State wrestling camp. Randy was the assistant coach at Oregon State. And he said, because uh, the first time Chris Pratt came in there, he said, oh, is that, uh, is that Coach Couture? I'm like, how come you call him Coach? He's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's Coach Couture. I said, what's going on? He's an Avenger. What the fuck's going on? And he's like, <laughs> man, when I was you know, 12 or 14, I was at this Oregon State wrestling camp. And the coach said, hey, one one kid here, Christopher Pratt, really picked things up fast. Christopher, mm-hmm. please do a Granby roll, fireman's carry, and a, you know something else. And he's like, that coach was Randy Couture. Wow. How about that small, wow. like, like our gym is the Kevin Bacon of gyms. That's right. right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I think, uh, and it, you know, it helps me a lot too, because first of all, Pratt looks like he could have been a pro athlete. That dude is thick. His calves are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, growing up, I I did like one of my goals before my, one of my goals was to be an actor. I I wanted to be a professional. I wanted to be a professional athlete and it's nice going into, it's nice going into Unbreakable when I realized that even if I had really, really tried hard, <laughs> probably wouldn't have made it. Because there's just, I mean, there are some of the cats that you, you see You versus there. Matthew Judon. Uh, yeah. You and some Lane Johnson, cats, like, I don't know about you. Oh, no. <laughs> I just, you know, you see it, you see it, you know, when February or March rolls around and yeah. and, and these guys back. start these guys start to heal up from the NFL season and they start to come back into the gym. It's like, okay, that doesn't totally look like a normal human being. I couldn't, no. I couldn't do that. But do you notice how cool they are there? And that's one of the reasons, and I want people to understand yeah. this about Unbreakable. Yeah. It is a mental health facility. That's so right. So for me, for my mental health issues, I need a community. I need a family. <laughs> we have no mirrors in Unbreakable because I don't want, do you ever notice that? No mirrors I, in Unbreakable. That's true. I don't true. want anybody's back turned to the rest of the team. I need mm-hmm. a team to kind of navigate the real world, if you will. And that's my mm-hmm. team. And that's my safe place. And that's why everybody in there has zero ego. So it's yep. more of a mental health space where you could be vulnerable with people. It doesn't matter who the fuck they are. Like they're all there for the same vulnerability. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When I'm in Los Angeles, that's my mental health break spot. Yeah. That's my that's my spot for yeah. me. I always and no one gives a fuck who you are in there. We just care. Steven's fucking awesome. This is our teammate. He's great. That's nice, uh, if, right? If, if you, yeah, I, oh my goodness! First of all, you go in there and they give you the norm from Cheers. You walk right, in there, yeah, and yeah. Steven, like that. And at first, you feel a little weird, and then all of a sudden, within you know a couple of weeks, when someone comes in there, you shout their name back, and yeah. it fosters this 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 environment where you're encouraged to go up and introduce yourself to people, right. and you know, and 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 not be intimidated by anyone. Right, and right. you know, someone like you know, a lot of people that are in there. They could easily walk around yeah oh man so you know Wiz works out real hard when yeah. he gets in there and he his son and my daughter were in the same oh. pre uh, preschool class uh, in LA and <laughs> we went to their moving on ceremony whatever that is in like 2017 2018 so Wiz is there and he's just it's yeah, he's such a he's such a lovely yeah. guy yeah. and you know he and i hadn't really talked that much but then after the moving on ceremony we didn't have child care help so Cass and i actually brought our daughter to the gym wiz is already in there he's the working with a trainer he's he's like no no his kid wasn't his kid wasn't okay. his kid wasn't there but he's in there he's like he's kickboxing and he's like working hard and he's shirtless he's got a huge sweat they were in a class it was, they were called dragonflies right, right. we walk in there Wiz doesn't look at me, doesn't look at Cass, spots Maverick and goes, I know a dragonfly when I see one <laughs> and comes over and wraps That's her up awesome. Yeah. So right. when I, when I'm in LA, it's, it's important for me. I set aside a time. If I go at 10 or 12 or eight, I'm there from either eight to 10, 10 to 12, 12 to two. And that is my 
time. And I bring, I bring my little notebook and in between sets, I'm certainly not looking in the mirror because it's not an option, but I'm writing shit down as I, you know, because that it gets my creative juices flowing. No, it is a, it is, it is at its core, a real team environment. And I, I don't know what you do with, with the staff. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with names, but you obviously queue up everybody to make sure that they remember because yeah, it's really cool. Well, you you do something else too. I think it's really cool with building communities and people were thinking about how this built, but it's through wine. So we, my buddy and I started knocking point wine. uh, Gosh, it was back in 2013. You know, I, in 2014, it was the first time that we ever threw a party. I think our first party was in LA, but the winery is out of Walla Walla, Washington. And uh, we threw a spring release party for the first time in, in 2014. And Walla Walla, for the uninitiated, is a really, really small community that now has a ton of wineries. It's very, it's unique in terms of climate and what have you in Washington State, southeastern part of, of Washington State. I mean, they're basically, there are roads where on one side you're in Washington State and one side you're in Oregon. And, um, you know, a lot of people um, from all over the United States and frankly, a, a couple of people from, from Europe as well, um, made the pilgrimage to Walla Walla. And, uh, you know, here we are, um, we just had our 10th annual uh, release party this, this past weekend. And a lot of the people that were there the, the, the first time um, were still there the 10th time. And wow. we were talking on our call today because we started a sort of wine club, basically. And we would throw parties all over the United States when I was doing conventions. And, you know, I just, I noticed it was this really, it was this really subtle thing where we were, um, we had this a private area set up for us uh, at the Walla Walla Suites versus Yakima, I don't know, something, a uh, AAA baseball game that they had going on there. Minor league baseball game, might not have been AAA. You know, we had someone that, that came there for the weekend and uh, they showed up and they had just been in a little bit of an accident. They were on crutches and stuff like that. And I just watched like six of our members that had become friends through Knocking Point just get up and help this person and give them a big hug and say hi. So when we had our our, our weekly call uh, today, we we're just talking about the fact that, you know, we've built a really good community of people. And it feels also, it feels like like a team. You know, when people get to Walla Walla every year, it's like they go to their favorite spots and they meet up with people and maybe they don't see them, you know, except for that weekend every year. And I I just think that, you know, everybody needs a squad. Everybody. Absolutely. You know, I, I, nobody, nobody can do it alone. I mean, I, you know, my, I think my, my kids, you know, Maverick and Bowen, like they don't know it. They're my squad. Right. I I need them. Cassandra is my is my squad. You know, I, the more time, you know, the longer that we've been married and the longer that I've been a dad, the harder it now is to ever be away from them. Right. Because they're my people. And if I'm, if I'm not, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I have been on a path for a couple of years now of, of, of really working towards getting sober. And that's mostly been a cut back path and it hasn't been straightforward because you know, I've done a lot of reading, a lot of research about it. And, you know, w- what happens with certain people is if, if alcohol becomes a part of your life, and it was for me for the better part of my 20s and my 30s, and then through Arrow, alcohol became something that you just did at the end of the day. At the end of a long day, you have a drink. 
And there was never really a bad moment along the way, but I've been doing a lot of reading and you know, eventually you can basically rewire your brain and, and eventually it becomes something that you become dependent on. And, you know, you talk about the blue and, and the gray. For me, I constantly, uh, I constantly reference this thing that I learned called HALT, where if, you know, if you're getting a craving, if you're doing those things, it's like, okay, uh, are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And, you know, when it comes to building a team, you know, you eliminate the lonely one immediately. Because if I'm with my family, I'm never lonely, ever. But if I get stuck somewhere traveling and I'm hungry, I'm probably going to get a little angry and I'm traveling, so I'm tired. If I'm lonely, I mean, that's that's the that's the quad box right there. That's if what you, you look at it avoid. now like, all right, I, I have this craving or something, I'm going to say halt. If any category is hit, I'm not eating it. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do? Yeah, if, 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 any of, if any of those four are happening – I'm immediately, I'm immediately going, how do I, how do I fix this? Okay. If, if it's as simple as eating something, then, 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 okay. then, then eat and satiate yourself. Um, you and know, if it's just and, hungry, and it, then you're hungry. Right. But if it's angry, lonely, or tired, you'll find something else. I will hundred percent find something else. And that's when it comes down Great to, I, like I think, I, I think one of the first things that you do when you're trying to, you know, achieve sobriety right. is, is you, you build, you build a network. Right. right. And, and I've got, I've got seven, eight people that I really trust that they know if I call them, it means that they need to pick up the phone and I'm lucky. I don't, I don't deal with, I don't deal with cravings. I deal with boredom. Right. 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 And, 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 and boredom, boredom's a, boredom's, boredom's yeah. tough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Boredom's just like, and also too, it's painful. When you, when it, boredom it is painful. Is. Yes, it is. And when right. you go through, I think the thing that I, the thing that I'm trying to reconstruct right now is that we go through life, and almost all of your reward moments or your moments of celebration have involved alcohol because that's such a normal thing uh, for a lot of people to then take that away. Right. It takes a while for you to not feel like you're missing something right, or you're right. missing out on something when in, when in fact, you know, being at the Super Bowl when the Rams beat the, beat the Bengals and being sober is just infinitely better wow. than any other. You're not getting tired, right? You're like, not, you're present. No, you're, you're, you're yeah. present. That that's, that's for sure. Like I, I take away, I take away all the memories from that entire day, right? Like I think I thinking back and I think it was actually the NFC championship game where, you know, and I was also there. It was also so far. I was also sober and, you know, I'm, I'm there just enjoying it. And I snapped a photo of you and Whitworth hugging on the field well, after right. the game and sent it to you. And you we, know, used I it. About we both used it. Is that true? <laughs> yes. We both okay. posted it. Yes. Hey, great. Good. And to, just to think of to, to think of those two games and to juxtapose them with the NFC Championship game in New Orleans in 2019 and the Super Bowl in Atlanta versus the Saints and the and the Pats respectively, I went to both those games, but I stress drank the entire time. Mm-hmm. And did I have a good time? Yeah. Did it? Did the night end in disaster? No. Do I have any lasting memories? I don't. It's just all 
shapes. Right, right, right. There's no, huh. there's no cool conversations with my, with our friends George and Elisa that we, right. you know, share seats with, or my buddy Frank that flew in for the game, or you know, just, just but really. If you're, if you're living this sober life now, how are you doing the wine stuff? Uh, you just do it. But that's just more it. of a it's, community it's, now for you. Yeah, it's yeah, okay. it's it's about it's it's more it's more about community. It's not so much again, the drinking for you now; it's a community. No, people. no, and you know, you, if you're if you're doing a wine tasting with people, you can have a few sips and, right. and stuff like that. You know, I I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a hard line. Right. You know, you, you go back to zero if you do something wrong. I think that that's a little archaic. But you know, it it becomes it just becomes about the it just becomes about the community. Is it the most convenient thing? No, it's not. Right. <laughs> no, it's not to be up in Walla Walla for right. for a wine weekend uh, when you're not you're not going to have a ton to drink is not the easiest. But you know, but it's it, listen, that's life. It happens. Last question for you. I ask all my guests this as their last question. Mm-hmm. Give me your unbreakable moment. That moment in your life that should have broken you and didn't, and as a result, you came through the other side of that tunnel stronger. That you could use that now for the rest of your life. That's a great question. Damn right. Is. I... That's why I do this. Well, um, I'm going to go to December of, I'm going to go to December of 2000 and 2009. Um, and just, uh, just, just getting, just getting back to Toronto and, and getting back to, a just getting back to a, to a broken, to a broken relationship and to a person that didn't want to be with me anymore. And um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I, I realized that it, obviously it was it was for the best. But in that particular moment, my life was over. Like it was over. I had no I had no prospects. I had no money. I didn't think I had any friends, mm-hmm. and that 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 broke me. I cried on my mom's shoulder on a Saturday morning after we broke up on the Friday night, like like a little fucking kid. And it sobbed, you know, could that cry where you can't catch your breath cry. Yeah. You know, and then I went home and just kind of sat there. And I, I remember I, I just I I remember taking all of the things in the apartment that we had bought together and just like taking them off the wall or removing them from a cabinet or whatever and just putting them all in one spot. And just sitting there, and then I called a buddy and said, "Hey, man, we got to go out for a beer." Right. He's like, "Where are you? I'll be there in fifteen minutes." And just that, That's just that, someone that, saying, "Hey, man, I'm struggling." Before now, where we're trying to make it cool to do the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you That's know beautiful. what? And 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 it was just that. I think that people need to remember that you know, even in that, even in that one moment where you think that everything is just get um you pick up the phone and you just get that that little spark of human connection or happiness or order some vanilla ice cream or something like that it sounds stupid you just get that little spark that little spark and you can build back up that fire well i can say this i don't know if the girl's listening right now but boy did she fuck up <laughs> no, she didn't. No, no. You know what? Here's the thing, though. It's it's very, very, very important to note. She didn't do wrong by me. She just fucked up her own life. I didn't say she did wrong by you. Oh, sure. Okay. No, I don't think so. No, she's doing great. She, I got, I got, I got nothing but, I got nothing but love for her. I got nothing but love for her. Well, man, I got nothing but love for you, brother. I appreciate you being my unbreakable teammate, you, my brother in every way. Thank you so much, man. Heels uh, two. When does it come out? 
Heels comes back for season two, Friday night, 10 o'clock, July 28th. And um, if you are a stars person, get the stars app, uh, catch up on season one. We're going to, I think we're going to pull a bunch of it in front of the paywall. So um, if you're a wrestling fan, if you like, uh, you know, if you like Friday night lights, if you like family drama, all that stuff, you don't have to like wrestling to watch it, but uh, very proud of our second season. And it's back on July 28th, my sister's birthday. Man, I'm proud to walk this walk with you, my brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jay. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.